You're listening to The Sister Trill with Danai and Kiveli. Hello and welcome back to a new episode of The Sister Trill. I'm Danai. And I'm Kiveli. And we are sisters and pianists and we have a new podcast. And today's episode is going to be all about school. Not specifically just high school, our entire school journey, what it was like for us to be in school, to be in school while studying at the same time, because we were both uh, young youth students also at the university and were in a special study program where we studied on the weekends and went to regular school and high school until the end during the week. So we had a very kind of alternative school life. I would say. And yeah, today we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we get more into that, we will first do our usual opening segment of what we disagreed on this week. So, Kiveli, do you want to go first? All right. So uh, <laughs> it was actually very difficult for me this week to come up with something. But what I did come up with one thing, which is we were actually having a conversation about when we are recording this podcast, what we're going to do when we're traveling and how we're going to record it while we're traveling. So we were talking about what equipment we need and what equipment makes sense to buy, what price range, mm -hmm. uh, what quality. And uh, very many times when we speak about these type of things, I'm more on the side of let's immediately buy something good because it's going to last it's going to be high quality from the beginning and denies more like yeah let's keep it kind of simple uh, easily transportable and maybe not too expensive so we were actually kind of discussing and not 100% uh, agreeing on what equipment actually we still haven't agreed <laughs> we, we, still we still haven't, haven't decided, decided. <laughs> but we still haven't decided because we still have to factor in some information that we don't have yet so yeah But decision true, yeah. time is coming up soon exactly because we're also exactly. traveling yeah. soon <laughs> but it's true you are a, a real investor very quickly before there's something created and i like to just do stuff first see how it goes and then later on invest exactly But, yeah okay so um my point actually something else um this week we had a concert together and for that concert we uh, had to take the train to a station and then there was a question and the question was how do we get from the station to the concert hall and I am a very big fan of walking and just not taking any transportation if necessary however we were a bit late and it was a kind of a 20 minute walk to the concert hall so I said okay I'm going to check the bus and Kiveli was just like Tanai have you ever heard of a taxi there are taxis normal people take taxis and I was already like uh, okay I mean And I, I actually said, if you want, if there is a taxi, because it was kind of a small yeah, yeah, city, yeah. then let's take a taxi. And there was no taxi. So, and I saw the bus was coming in three minutes. And I was like, let's take the well, bus. And, and then, then I was like, let's fine. call a taxi. No, by, the, by, the, by the time that I'd understood that the bus was going to come super soon, I was That's fine true. with it. Generally, it's just always this, <laughs> you have to find the right mode of transportation for the right situation at the right time. And taxi is an acceptable mode of tra transportation yeah. in certain situations situations it's true you do, just do you use it more often than i do you would prefer to like never set a foot into a taxi but sometimes <laughs> it just makes more sense anyway so uh yeah those were our <laughs> disagreements this week so now let's get into the episode um i prepared some questions okay good. um so yeah i thought the first thing to discuss is maybe just very generally What did you feel that school was hard for you? Was school hard for you? From a strictly like a 
like intellectual point of yeah, view. Yeah, getting getting the marks, mm. getting good grades, all this. Was it difficult? Like, did you have to invest a lot of energy? I think, I definitely think that compared to many of my classmates, I felt like I needed to work less of it. I had to invest less time mm -hmm. to learn or understand certain things. And I also think that was because I also had less time. So because I had less time, I also automatically learned the subjects and the material in less time. I think that the challenges I always found was, especially during exam phase, exam season, when it was very many times the way that we were missing some exams and some exams we wrote and some we couldn't because we were missing them due to concerts or other engagements we had that we then had to like write exams afterwards or earlier. So that kind of phase was always very more stressful than it was mm -hmm. really difficult. It was, you know, kind of having to change your mode of attention so quickly, all these different subjects and then concerts in between. So I found it was more of a like... Uh, all the time having to be alert to kind of be concentrated yeah. in all these different ways. In terms of subjects, the only thing that I, f I found, actually there were two things I found very challenging. I ended up uh, graduating in chemistry and that was definitely a challenge to me. That did not come naturally at all, especially compared to other subject subjects. And in the beginning of going to school, like first four or five grades where there is more of an emphasis put on not making small mistakes, like maybe not spelling a word in the wrong way or maybe not making like a little mistake, a mathematical mistake. It's, it's more kind of, you know, like mm -hmm. these either right or wrong type of situations. I found that much harder because I always tended to make like, you know, small mistakes out of maybe a slip of attention or something like that. And later on in school where it was more about you know, the big thinking, thinking about how to approach a certain problem or maybe interpretations of good, uh, great literature, things like that, that came much easier to yeah. me where it wasn't like right or wrong in terms of these small things. Even like ma when math mathematics was less about, you know, uh, solve this exact e equation and it became more about how would you approach this problem. This is kind of like thought mm. experiment that came much more naturally to me than these like small things. Yeah. And when the calculator came in in seventh grade, that's when my mathematics started to like become better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would also totally agree that I think that the reason why I, we both felt that it wasn't such a huge challenge to be good in school was because we had so many other things to mm -hmm. do. Because I felt like because I, our tasks were generally harder. We didn't only have school. We also had to practice. We also had to play concerts. We had to be good at piano competitions, for example. Um, the, the tasks of school in comparison paled. seemed... Yeah, paled exactly. They paled and they seemed like kind of very doable. Yeah. Whereas I think that if we were, I mean, the exact same people and we had only school, mm -hmm. we would be so focused on every little potential problem that it would have mm -hmm. probably been harder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that, yeah, that definitely plays a, plays a big role. For sure, for sure. I also, I'm, I'm a, such a strong believer in the concept of you are capable of the things that you deem you, yourself capable of. That basically mm -hmm. when you need mm -hmm. to accomplish something, then you can accomplish it. And sometimes if I think back to especially like the last years or our like final examination period, the amount of things we did at the same time, yeah. like literally kind of having this entire school curriculum that had gotten quite intense 
towards the end, naturally intense towards the end. And the amount of concerts we played, repertoire we learned, just the amount of time we we, we missed from school and had to kind of revise in the train. And stuff. I, I sometimes marvel at the fact how we did it because now where my entire focus is just you know, artistic and it's full on my piano career and it's only music, of course, with all the different facets. Of course, there's a festival and there's playing and organizing, but it is only music. Like mm. There is no part of me that now has to write an exam in physics or something like that. I, I, I sometimes cannot imagine pulling it off again now yeah. because I don't have to pull it off in and a way, you know? I, I actually, some long time ago, I read somewhere that our brain never is as active as during like studying and school time. And we kind of lose mm. that ability to learn this amount of knowledge in such a short mm -hmm. time. And I think it's exactly what you said. If we now sat down and tried to learn new knowledge of this magnitude, it probably wouldn't be possible because we're just not wired that way anymore. There it's it's obvious we have to go, we have to graduate, mm. we have to do our exams. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, generally maybe we should uh, mention that we were both on the better side of things in school. We um, we were both... We had to be. We had to be good in school. We kind of had a deal, let's say, with our school because we were already quite intensely into the whole piano thing that we were allowed to miss class if there was a good reason. So basically either a concert or a rehearsal or a master, a master class. class. Those were the reasons, not just to practice. But yeah. if there was an actual event that we had to um, play at that would help us mm -hmm. in this whole thing, in this whole career, let's say, if you could call it that, and that point and um we could miss class it was no problem they were really very very relaxed with us missing class unusually relaxed yeah yeah unusually but relaxed. the deal was that we had to have good grades yeah. as long as we had good grades it was okay to do that but if we were to somehow slip then very surely that deal would be off and i think we had that deal with our school but we also kind of had that deal with our parents i would say especially our father yeah. who was the more academically inclined and focused person mm -hmm. from from our two parents and it was very clear we were allowed to pursue anything we liked but if our school work had suffered then there would have been consequences in that direction I mean, yeah that never happened so I don't really know how or if he would have enforced it <laughs> but uh, that there was always this implication and of course from the school side I don't think that there was ever like in a, a GPA we had to hit no, otherwise no. we, we, were, we yeah. wouldn't be allowed to miss school but there was a very clear understanding that we were only allowed to miss the classes and miss the time and kind of have this because it was special treatment you can't say anything yeah, it was very sure. special treatment sure. if our schoolwork was always at a above average level and also everything we missed we had to then do again when we came back so if we missed an exam we had to write that exam when we were back or any homework that we missed we had to do and then show them so it's not like we skipped uh, school and no. we're not doing the tasks we actually did every single thing <laughs> that the, that the actually man, I remember school. I remember these 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 calls it was like a very normal thing we each had one person in our respective classes that whenever we would miss like we would miss I don't know one week of school every afternoon we would call them and be like hey what's the homework for that mm -hmm. day and then we would get all the homework and we'd had to do that homework and um it was it was I always it was, and sometimes you know you, you'd miss the person and then you have to the next day call them and have the homework from the double past homework. two days and you suddenly <laughs> had double homework it yeah. was the whole thing and it was but it felt so kind of natural 
that it in was that our moment, normal. It somehow. was absolutely yeah. our normal. Yeah. Again, thinking back to it now, I'm really kind of impressed at how we pulled it off. And also very impressed how the school accepted yeah. this. I, I mean, that because, is incredible. Yeah, that because is incredible. we have many, obviously, many musician friends and many friends that were in the same situation that we were in where you have concerts and it is, of course, not a good decision not to play them. You have to do these things and go to the master classes. And the school just said no. And many times what happened was that these musicians would then kind of fake illnesses yeah. and would kind yeah. of have to find a doctor that would, uh, you know, write that they were sick that week and they would actually be off at a masterclass or playing some concerts. So we had this extremely privileged position that yeah. we went to a school that allowed us to do that. But we also have to say that when especially our, our mom was looking for the secondary school that she decided to uh, send us to that was a priority for her. Yeah, she went she to several schools. Yeah, picked the school yeah, because, because of that. Of that. <laughs> so, but, but it was amazing. And, yeah. and we still have, you know, a good relationship with some of our teachers who support us to this day. So we were really very lucky to be yeah. able to very openly kind of pursue our passion while still maintaining a very normal trajectory in school. Yeah. So obviously for the teachers, it's uh, great when you have a, a student that is good in school. But I was wondering how you perceived it within the classmates. Was it cool to be good in school or was it... Oh, uncool? just the good in school. Yeah. I mean, first first that and then maybe our whole mm -hmm. special treatment situation. I mean... But how was it in your class? Was it cool if you had good grades? I don't think that having good grades was somehow uncool in my okay. class. That, that's not something that... Because I specifically also remember there was one boy that was very good in, in, in my class as well. And he was very much accepted within the boys. Like, the mm -hmm. being good thing wasn't the thing that ostracized me from from mm -hmm. the rest of my classmates. I think the, the... But there was something that was kind of expected. If you were good in school, the pupils that had more of a hard time kind of expected you to, to help share them. your work yeah, with yeah. them. Of and, course, and, or, or, or especially, yeah. maybe not expected, but that is what then made it cool. Like if you were good and you helped mm -hmm. your pupils, which I always loved doing and was always up for doing, that kind of gave you brownie points. Yeah. If you would be someone who'd be like, no, you know, don't look at my work, then that would be like weird, you know? Yeah. So it was more that's what made you cool, being good and being generous with you know, your work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, in my class, I have to say that there was a time where it was really not cool to be good. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember specifically this one situation, I think it must have been seventh grade or something like this for me, where we had just gotten back a, a math test and somehow the teacher had said, yeah, and the best student was Danai. And it was like super embarrassing. And it was a test that somehow didn't go well. So like, many people mm -hmm. had gotten a, a bad mark mm -hmm. and I remember there was this situation where there was this group of girls and me and they were saying yeah Danai you don't get it you always write good marks you know you, you don't understand how we feel because I was somehow trying to help them or they were yeah. sad because they they got a bad marker and then I said yeah no it's fine you don't get it you don't get it and I remember that I started crying what and I remember that I specifically said I, I still see this scene in front of me I, I said I wish I was bad in school what What do you think? I want to be good all the time. I can't help it. I wish I was bad. I remember oh saying God. that. I mean, it's such a weird thing to say. That But is so interesting. I remember that at that moment, I was like, you know, I wish I was 
cool because I shared their troubles. Right, like this right, 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 right. Which I think, which is great that nowadays it's not like that anymore. I think nowadays if you're good, it's it's cool, mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. But just as you said, also for me, of course, I always help people during tests and I always threw around little papers with solutions. And of course. of course, that made it good again, if you were a helper. Because we yeah. also had someone in our class that was good and that was not a helper. Yeah, and that didn't go down well. That did rest. not yeah, yeah, yeah. go down well yeah, the, the, But the only thing that I did realize is I was always someone because, although I, I was very good in school, but I was also sometimes nervous that maybe that was the exam, exam I didn't write well or something like mm. that. So many times after an exam, I would kind of have this compulsion to discuss results oh, with fellow students. No go. <laughs> and and no. they would always look at me like, you either have like an A or an A minus, like chill, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. and I was always like very worried or so like, that's the worst thing when the good student is like, oh my God, I'm so afraid of exactly, my grade. That is exactly <laughs> it. So if you're good, like, and, 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 but I was genuinely worried sometimes, you know, but I totally get it because that's the <laughs> other thing. When you're generally a good student, people kind of expect that you're always going to be a good mm. student, but it's not like that. You can also yeah. really fail at yeah, an exam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's totally valid yes. that you're scared and you know that you're like, oh, maybe actually this time it didn't go well, but they're like, yeah, stop complaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so you kind of don't don't have the right to be worried when yeah, you're yeah, good at school. Yeah, exactly, which is a bit, yeah, it's a bit annoying. Um, yeah, and then of course for us there was this whole yeah. special treatment situation. So how, how was that for you with the, with the other pupils? That was definitely, I would say, a love-hate relationship mm -hmm. type thing. Obviously, because, okay, let, let, let me like try to unpack it. First of all, I have to say that I probably also didn't do myself any favors because unlike you, I, I was always a very kind of dominant personality mm. in the classroom. Not, I, I say just because this is who I am. First of all, I am like a very extroverted, talkative, dominant open, person. loud person. <laughs> so it was just also kind of what my what my nature is. However, it was what my nature is was before you know kind of going through the period of reflecting on myself and understanding maybe what aspects of that over the board mm. personality were also an act kind of you know yeah. so it was kind of even more amplified than my already very extroverted nature then the other thing was that I feel like we were very often kind of the teacher's darlings, mm. not because of the way we acted in class, but because we kind of gave the school a particularly good reputation because like we would often be in the newspaper for concerts we played and then the school would be mentioned or we would, you know, play concerts in school. So kind of the, the we were the teacher's darlings because of our musical ability and that kind of translated into the way they viewed us in, in the respective subjects. Some of them, some of them actually kind of dis liked us because of that special yeah. treatment we were getting but most of them I would say were kind of very complimentary towards yeah, us. Yeah I feel like some were actually stricter, stricter yeah. because of it but that, but, was, but that was the minority. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and most of them kind of really uh, I would say it, it was kind we of the, after we had it easy we had after it easy. after a certain while because again it wasn't that we were getting everything for free we were good we were writing good grades we were you know doing our homework but because we kind of I would say that someone else where we got an A someone else might have gotten an A minus so mm -hmm. like that that's like the yeah. points that we were we were kind of given you know and I think that when that caught on that definitely did not go down very well within the class yeah. and I totally get it I mean it is it is kind of uncool 
and I, when I figured that out quite late, you know, especially like the fact that it was that way, what I started doing is I really tried to whatever use this privileged position to help those in the class that I noticed were actually being unfairly treated to the mm -hmm. other direction, like kind of people that had been rule breakers uh, or more rebellious up until then and then in the last few years really tried to pull themselves together to graduate well and the teachers were just not giving them that second chance. Mm -hmm. So I would try to kind of leverage my position to in a way equalize that. But generally I have to say that the fact that I had the special treatment from the teacher and understandably so was definitely also a point of contention yeah and in my class it was definitely <laughs> a thing um there was even a nickname for me which was plus plus kid <laughs> which basically means plus plus child and it basically just meant yeah you're you're good at everything everyone sees you as being good at everything you're this golden child and it all was really the highlight was this one newspaper article I don't know if you remember it that was titled Wunschkinder which basically means oh my um, god I don't remember wish well, what, what does it mean like Wunschkinder like, like kids you wish for kids you wish for and it was you and me on the picture it was a big article in the newspaper of our city that we lived in and it said kids that you wish for it was like very central everyone had somehow seen it that morning because I guess their parents were reading yeah, yeah. the newspaper and they came to school and Everyone was telling me, oh, hey, kid, you wish for, hey, kid, you wish for. And some kids had even told me, and I mean, that that's so horrible that their parents were like, see, look at what Danai does. This is mm. what, this is what is great. This is what you should be doing. I mean, the worst thing you yeah, can yeah, say. Of course. And of course, it was so embarrassing. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that article was horrible. And then some teachers had even like taken yeah. it and like were proudly displaying it. It was yeah. just going yeah. downhill from there. Another <laughs> thing I have to say, I remember a situation which to this day again I mean I with with like a bit more distance perspective I have to say I'm also so incredibly thankful to some of the students that kind of went along with it in as I mentioned I graduated in chemistry which was a class that not many people had chosen to graduate mm -hmm. in so it was a class that was placed automatically quite late in the day so I always had like my chemistry AP chemistry in on, on Mondays and Wednesdays in the afternoon and because of that there was always this question of are we going to write the exams already at, like that late when we write exams should we write them in the afternoon or should we choose a different day to kind of meet in school and and do it in the morning because the argument was you can concentrate easier in the morning than in the afternoon so because all the days that were kind of possible to do that like there were like some hours that were free for one person or the other person but because I for some reason would always miss the like I had concerts on the days that came and in, came into question what ended up happening is that twice within this year of having AP chemistry everyone had to come to school on Saturday oh and write the exam on Saturday and I, I would like to say that I told the teacher, like, I'm fine writing it by myself. I don't, you know, not everyone has to accommodate me to come and write the exam. Yeah. And and he kind of, you know, put it to a vote. And the, the people, they, they said, he kind of asked the pupils, would you rather write it then or then or on Saturday? And they said, no, it's, we will write it on mm -hmm. Saturday. And I, just, and I remember everyone that came to school that morning for the exam, they were like, so we're now in school on a Saturday. How are you doing, Kiveli? And I'm like... I'm so sorry, you know? And so, you know, there were there were all kinds of situations where 
everyone like we were never perceived neutrally I think from the no, moment we stepped not. in school we were never just Danai and Kiveli yeah. or Danai and Kiveli good in school we were always Danai and Kiveli the pianist the piano girls. and everything yeah. that came with it yeah. and some of it was of course very positive yeah. and some of it was I would say negative but I totally get it. Like, yeah. I totally I mean, understand I, it. Right now, we highlighted a little bit more of the, like, negative, not, I mean, we were never bullied, I would say, but no. of the more, like, maybe nagging remarks. But generally, when I look back at my school experience, I do think that, as a total, the my friends and the students were very supportive of me, generally. For me, personally, I feel like, I mean, I definitely had, like, a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. I I didn't feel alone. And especially as the years progressed, especially towards the end, if I think of the last three, four years of high school, it was, I mean, oh no, high school is only three years, right? Four years. Four years. Okay. So then if I think of high school, (laughs) um, then I I must say that I feel like they were very cool with it. Mm. And everything about it. I mean, when I think of what they wrote in my yearbook, it was all like, yeah, yeah Danai is graduating with the best grades and with the most highest amount of hours missed, you know, from yeah, being yeah, in yeah, schools yeah. and yeah, things yeah. like that. And they were, they were very nice. And I think a big part of it is how I or we handled it also, because I think we were both very consciously trying to not be, you know, cocky about it or to not be, you know, feel like we're something special. I remember always thinking to myself, really trying to be as normal as possible and as super humble as possible. <laughs> Are you laughing? I love it because you're like very elegantly put like, we did it. And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm not sure if I did that very well. <laughs> Well, for me, I must say that I think that in the end, this is really what it came down to. And that's also what many people told me, that I never talked Mm -hmm. about my concerts. I never talked about my whatever accomplishments or competitions. I was always trying to be just a schoolgirl when in school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To be honest, if I think about it, I don't think that I tried to kind of even amplify the narrative Mm. of me as a pianist, but... Unlike you, I think you were you were always generally also a bit more, I would say, calm and collected, like generally, and I am not calm and collected, um, much more impulsive. And I would say I had one quality that I've since very hard, like in a very hard way worked on getting rid of and kind of getting under control because it is, it is something born out of insecurity, mm. which is that if I felt like I knew something or I had a kind of uh, a comment that had good quality in my mind, it was almost, I had to say it, you mm-hmm. know? So I think that my general demeanor in class was sometimes a bit insensitive towards okay. the rest. And that had nothing to do with me as a pianist or anything. Yeah. That it's just who I was. I was, you know, I was very... Like, I would be the person that would maybe say something without raising my hand, oh. you know? But <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. but not like in a... Not, not instead of someone else. It wouldn't be like I would take the answer from someone. But I would always time it well. So I had also like a comedic element and stuff. But, you know, I... And the other thing is that... I've never been very good at kind of respecting authority Mm -hmm. for authority's sake. I mean, I respect competence 
and give competence a lot of authority. And also because in my general life, I was around so many adults and was used to also being taken kind of seriously by adults and being respected by adults, being complimented by adults. Like very many times I would always, I would almost very wrongly, I would say, <laughs> see myself as the teacher's not as a teacher's equal on an intellectual level, but kind of, I would see it more of a conversation, not like mm. I'm going to teach you something mm. now, if you know, but I would kind of more strike up a, a conversation or almost be combative if I disagreed with something, you yeah. know? Um, and all of this definitely led to the fact that I would say the thing that I did well, like the thing, and I, I would say that definitely got on people's nerves, mm -hmm. very understandably so. Yeah. Um, of course, some teachers found it charming, some teachers that especially maybe liked rebellious spirits and liked the fact that I was genuinely engaged in the material. I mean, I wouldn't say things that had, you know, had nothing, nothing to, to do, do with, with the material. Yeah, yeah. It, it had to do with the material. So kind of many teachers also liked that, that, you know, I was very present and interested in what was going on. Some teachers definitely didn't like that. The students, I would say, kind of got used to it but definitely also were, I would say, ambivalent about yeah. it. But what saved me, I would say, in the end was the fact that I all like the same combative spirit that I would put into, uh, you know, like if I didn't agree with a point of the teacher, I would put if I felt that the teacher, for example, treated someone else mm. unfairly. So you would go to someone else's defense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, and generally I would not, and this, like this helping out that we said, like I was always offering to help wherever I could, whether yeah. it was for with, sure with, you know, I think this was the base of our school career that we were really the helpers. I think it was such a classic situation before the mm. test. People were like, Hey, uh, can you please point out this and this and that? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. we would like, and then also like if I finished early, I would always then get someone else's paper and start filling out yeah. answers. What's your most everything. what's your most extreme helping a student story? My most elaborate like yeah. cheating story. I mean not for me cheating but for someone else. Well, um cheating for like, you know, helping someone yeah. else out. I mean there are there are a couple. Uh, I think the really most elaborate of them was that someone was writing a math exam in the so it was like a assembly hall you could say in our mm -hmm, school mm -hmm. he was writing it in there with a group of people he deliberately sat at the window i was not writing that test so i wasn't even part of it um he sat at the window took the test threw it out of the window where i caught it then i filled out any answer that I could in like a, within half an hour or something like this, then I came into the assembly hall where they were writing a test, which is like such a no-go to go into the assembly hall when, right. when they're writing a test. And um, somehow had this perfect excuse that I had to talk to the teacher at that time to tell him something that maybe I don't remember, but that I would be maybe missing class tomorrow, you know, because I had a cause or something. And while going in, of course, left the paper there. And, wow. And that worked out, by the way. It it happened like no one noticed. I mean, I don't know if someone noticed, but no one said anything at least. That is really a <laughs> That is wow. That is incredible. <laughs> and you think that's the biggest one? Of course, there are all the classics of throwing things around. Of course, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what is your more most elaborate. Not that extreme. I mean, but but I also think that because I obviously went to school four years <laughs> after you, things got so much stricter. Yeah. Especially when smartphones became a thing. I remember like 
there was this like sweet spot of maybe one year where it hadn't really become that clear to the teachers that basically a smartphone held all the answers uh -huh. to everything, be it that you just take a picture of the phone, send it to someone, they give you the answer, they send it back like this or just, you know, Googling dates and history yeah. and stuff. So within that sweet spot, I remember I was just in constant communication with people all the mm -hmm. time, like talking about answers like and or something. I don't even think WhatsApp was a thing. It was maybe it was just like SMS or mm -hmm. or maybe mm -hmm. I, or Facebook. I don't know, but yeah. it, it was like I remember this this time where we were like communicating yeah, via that phone. Didn't exist when and I was what would happen was that we would all sit again in this assembly and then like someone would look at me, kind of pick up their phone. And then I knew like, okay, so then I picked up my phone and would do it. And then the other things were like, obviously like the, the normal things of exchanging tests within mm -hmm. an exam, exam. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you, you finish theirs and they give their, yeah. yours, you know, back a super classic one for us was there was this one bathroom that you could use that mm -hmm. was connected to the assembly mm -hmm. hall. That's the only one you were allowed to go to. So I would go there, leave something there, you know, then the next yeah, time yeah, 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 pick yeah, it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a very classic yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> no, but a, a lot of cheating was happening for sure. I think there was not one exam where I did not do something to get an answer to somebody. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, but my, my next question that I was thinking about was, what do you think does it take to be good in school, to be a good mm -hmm. student? Because you mentioned that you were a bit of a rebellious, like uh, <laughs> trying to be on teacher's level. But, you know, many people always criticize the school system mm -hmm. saying it, it's like you have to be in the box. But what would you say is like, what does it take to be a personality that is going to become a good student? I think that the most important component of being a good student is curiosity. Mm -hmm. You have to genuinely be curious about the material. Yeah. And and if you're not <laughs> Well, I mean, I think it's more of a of a of a of a, of a world perspective you know I'm just genuinely an extremely curious person about anything like mm -hmm. the less I know about something the more I want to know about it yeah um even like the subjects where I knew that it wasn't my cup of tea like say for example like physics still I mean I was curious you know I was curious to be like okay maybe I can understand this and this and that yeah I the whole for reason sure, why yeah. I even picked chemistry <laughs> despite knowing that it's another one of those subjects that didn't necessarily come natural to me is because I knew that it would be the only time in my life I really knew I was going to study music that I would ever be uh, confronted with this type of knowledge or this type of thinking in a regular way of obviously I can go and buy a book but and I remember learning about all these things you know how why um, we see colors like what chemical reactions are involved in the way we um, perceive colors yeah. about how batteries work and how charges work how chargers work and and all these like you know obviously extremely basic things. I mean, <laughs> chemists would probably laugh at me. But I remember being so interested in, in getting this kind of um, type of knowledge that I knew I would never get to afterwards. So I think I was also the person, you know, when we got um, a book to read, I always wanted to read it. You know, many yeah. people were, oh, oh, you know, yeah. I have to read 30 pages. I was the person that would go home and read the entire book in the first day because I was genuinely interested in it. There was uh, genuinely interested in it. There was one book that I didn't read because I started and I just couldn't <laughs> get myself to read this book. It was called Tauben im Gras. I forgot the author, but it was some like post-Second World War 
specific subgenre book with like stream of consciousness writing. It was all about like it kind of the entire book took place in one day from 14 different perspectives and you never really knew when the perspective shifted and it was all about like the commentary on the mundane like talking I don't know five pages about the color of an orange or something like that. <laughs> and I remember I took and I was like yeah okay this is not going to happen. So this is the only book I actually didn't read. Yeah. No, <laughs> But I definitely agree with you that being curious is the best ingredient to being successful at anything yeah. in life. If we actually enjoy what we're doing, also when we're practicing piano, for example, if we enjoy what we're doing, then the, the not the success, but yeah, I mean, also the success, but also just getting better is going to happen much faster, yeah. just almost automatically. Yeah. But I think that you can also be good in school, for example, by faking it a little bit. I think mm -hmm. that you can... I mean, a good student doesn't necessarily have to be a super clever one. Mm -hmm. You can learn a lot by heart. You can kind of fake it a lot. Especially in school. It's like in, in, in like the school system versus, you know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in the school system. Yeah. And also, I think what I always found very interesting was when we had a subject like English or German or French, like anything with languages or history, or you had to write an essay, for example, mm -hmm. there would be this system of giving points mm -hmm. to the student. Um, it was kind Kind of called the expectation horizon that's mm -hmm. what it was called in in german and there were certain points when you mentioned them you got a point like yeah. if you mentioned a thesis that they thought was nice to mention you got a point but if you mentioned something else you didn't get a point there were there were only four four points, extra points. Four, yes exactly. i always had those four yeah. points for four, like different <laughs> ideas but let's say you wrote an amazing essay with amazing ideas yeah. but didn't mention any of the points that they were anticipating then you only got four points and of course a very bad mark yeah. so i also think part of being good at school is kind of anticipating what they want you to hear yeah. and just totally mm -hmm. playing into that mm -hmm. it's not necessarily the most revolutionary yeah. people that are going to be good yeah. In school, which Absolutely. is a, a bit sad also, that the system is, yeah. you know, made like, like that. Ingenuity is yeah. not rewarded as much as conformity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I pulled up a little survey okay. on, um, I mean, a, a survey or a study on the five greatest predictors of student success. Okay. So like generally okay. what, what predicts that a student is going to be good yeah. in school. And these are these character traits that we were talking about. So the first one, they say the number one one is getting connected to the right people. And what they mean by that is that when you're in school, that you, for example, your school friends are not your only friends, that you have other people too, that are like a group of people that are good at other things, for example, in your hobbies or something mm -hmm. like this, because then this is an interest that keeps you going and is a motivation to be good in school. Oh, so exactly so, what happened to exactly us. Exactly <laughs> what happened to us. And this is a point that I would have never, you know, thought of as usually the number one yeah, point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but it is, it, it does, this is exactly huh. what it says. Being engaged with other people outside of class, getting involved in activities with new people, creates a support system that wants you to always continue and be good at school as well. That is fast. I like. I would have never thought because yeah. I would have thought it's almost counterintuitive. Like if you've got something else that holds your yeah. attention, you give less attention to your schoolwork. Ergo, it's more likely you're gonna, yeah. but, you know, get worse in school. But I mean, if we think, for example, of our musician friends, there are actually many that exactly mm -hmm. like as it was in our case, were very good in school yeah. and kind of did it on the side. Yeah. So 
there really seems to be yeah. something to that that if it's, you have it's this again it's this it makes sense if it has to work mm-hmm. on the side it's gonna work on the side yeah. you know yeah yeah interesting yeah okay also what else that was interesting so number two is possessing adaptability and resilience that's kind of an obvious one I mean mm-hmm. the adaptability one I think is interesting because I think that plays into you know playing into the teachers mm-hmm. um mm-hmm interests and what they want because you know how when there is a teacher change within a subject you kind of also have to change and be with that teacher so being an adaptable person Mm -hmm. um, but I also think adaptable in the sense of just you know the way your mind has to look at things when you talk about for example analyzing uh, an essay in English versus yeah. the way your mind has to look at things when you're talking about probabilities in mathematics. Yeah. That is also like adapting. Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, which, which parts of your mind yeah. to engage in. Yeah. <laughs> and then the with. number third point is developing high emotional intelligence. Yes. So, that I understand. Yeah. I that, that is more That is more what situation. I was saying with the teacher. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think that's a clear one. And then the fourth one is that you have to target a clear outcome. And they have mm-hmm. divided that into three, like, possible outcomes, which are basically what motivates you. So the one outcome can be autonomy. The student works to create, like, an autonomous future. So mm-hmm. that's kind of obvious. The second one is that you believe in, like, growing and improving so that this thing that you're doing is helping you mm-hmm. improve. And the third one is purpose, which I think is what you said with curiosity that you work that you feel like what you work on is meaningful Mm -hmm. you're working towards a goal that is meaningful Mm -hmm. and these are the the main things that were mentioned for like predicting students uh success and also a little fact that they included were was that when you have a mentor so for example if you're in first grade and you have a mentor from Mm -hmm. fourth grade you know this type of thing that really makes you want to be better in school Mm -hmm. and they measured that employees like even in companies that have mentors go on to earn thousands more than employees that didn't have mentors and I thought about that and that also makes complete sense if you think about it because you want to make your mentor proud yeah you want to fit in Mm -hmm. and and you know show her or him that you're good at it too yeah and I think another thing that especially when I try to remember why I was good in school is I feel that definitely eloquent people, naturally eloquent mm-hmm. people have it considerably easier. And also people that are yeah. less shy. I mean, there were always teachers that, you know, like in, in these, in these, cla- in, in these moments where we would get our oral score. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the, the, the final note you would get on your um, paper would be a combination of your oral note and your written note. And your written note would be like the average of your last three exams. And the oral note was, of course, a much more subjective thing. But basically every three, four months, you would get an oral note in that subject. And then that would kind of be combined with your written note. And there were so many teachers that always kind of said to the shyer people like, yeah, you know, um, just come out of your shell mm-hmm. and, and, and have courage to say something. And when, you know, they, they would have then said one or two things, they were like, yeah, I noticed you're really trying, but when you say something, you always say something of really good quality. So, yeah. you know, kind of if you weren't were someone supporting them. supporting them, but the truth of the matter was, is that if you weren't someone who naturally just, you know, was present... Mm-hmm like me (laughs) that that did not play in your favor like you had to kind of count on the teacher finding you 
I don't know, like maybe inoffensive enough to yeah. try to be like, you know, in yeah. a, to, to try to, to help you in a way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. So, so definitely someone who was eloquent and someone who was not shy was perceived better than someone who might have equal amount of knowledge and like the equal amount of correct answers, but was more quiet and kind yeah. of shy and, and introvert. Yeah, absolutely. The next thing that I found interesting is to talk about what we even learn in school. I mean, mm. obviously we learn about certain subjects mm -hmm. and acquire some knowledge, but uh, yeah, maybe you say first and then I can tell you what, what I think. But well, I mean, I think we agree on it. I think the main skill that you acquire in school is the ability to know how to learn. Yeah, exactly. You Basically, learn to learn. You learn to learn. Yeah. yeah, that's the main thing you do completely um, independent of what you end up studying afterwards. Yeah. Most of us are not going to use about 90% of the knowledge that we learned in school. Just the knowledge of the one subject pertaining to the thing you're going to yeah. end up dedicating your life to. Um, but you learn kind of the ability to inhale knowledge as quickly as possible, yeah. kind of uh, reframe it. If you read a text, you'll then be able to explain what it said. Um, and you learn, you kind of your mind becomes quicker into switching gears. As I said, like, you know, you've got the, in the first subject of the day is math, and then the second subject mm -hmm. of the day is geography, and then the third yeah. is history. And, you know, everything requires a different way to engage with the material. So therefore, you kind of learn to... Um, get to know your own mind and yeah. that's what it does and that's exactly how I felt what I learned in yeah. school I mean, more than anything obviously else obviously I completely agree and I think that's the most valuable thing that you learn mm -hmm. obviously some general knowledge is also valuable but if I'm completely honest I've definitely forgotten a lot of the things mm -hmm. that I learned in certain subjects that I'm not in contact with right now anymore mm -hmm. and it's just that I learned how to be quick I mm -hmm. developed all my methods during school yeah. of how to prepare for an exam or how to prepare for just something where I need to perform yeah And I also learned to really be good under pressure in the sense that, you know, I had concerts, then it was midnight, then I was preparing for the exam that was in seven hours yes, <laughs> next yeah. morning. So just these things were more... So what I actually want to ask you, what type of learner are you? Like mm -hmm. if it's a knowledge-based subject, like say history, how do well, you... you have to have the facts. Exactly. Or yeah. how do you tend to learn? Well... I must say that for school, I usually started learning pretty late. I mean, mm -hmm. I started learning maybe two, <laughs> two or three days before the exam. Uh -huh. um, I tried to avoid starting on the day before, um, which I, I know was your technique. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, I, I, I usually started late and then I just kind of read through the facts, probably wrote them down once for myself and that was that. I mean, for history, for example, I usually already had kind of a picture of what was happening. I wasn't a complete newbie to the concept of the French yeah. Revolution when we had already yeah. talked about the French Revolution yeah. in class. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but I, I usually just wrote it down and then yeah. this was my method of learning it. Yeah. Me too. I mean, I had these, like my, the only thing I would do, I would start learning extremely late. Like usually I would start learning when in the moment where I knew that if I didn't start right now, I wouldn't be able to finish the material until the exam, yeah, basically. Yeah. So it would usually be the night before around 10.30 p.m. <laughs> after already having procrastinated successfully for a couple of hours <laughs> and practiced and done everything already. And I would usually just... Uh, I, I was always a, a big fan of, like, color 
not color coding, but like, you know, having, having information in a very organized manner, like visual, visually mm -hmm. organized yeah. manner. So usually I would always end up as, as you going through the material and then reducing all the material to one page mm -hmm. and then having it all on one page. And then that was the page that I would learn by heart or, you know, kind of really mm -hmm. examine well. And if I would go to school the next morning and I had one, two hours before the exam, I would always look at this one page. Like I always like to reduce everything to like a small a geographical yeah. component because yeah. the thing that would always stress me out is if like the information was in 12 different places so you have to look up different pages and this I, I wanted it all in one place yeah. so that's what I would usually do and I would always kind of have it in a visually pleasing manner that yeah. would kind of help me um, and in more I would say logically inclined subjects like math and and things I would usually just do practice uh, practice I would exercises. just write out like the formulas, you know. Yeah, yeah, but I, I was like more of a of a practice, like exercise. I would exercise. Okay. Uh, I would practice with like the exercises yeah. that our teacher would sometimes recommend. Yeah. And if possible, also kind of you know reduce the knowledge to yeah. a more um, easily digestible format. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like after now, now that we're at the point that obviously we finished school and. We both finished with what in Germany is 1.0, which is like the best mark you can get. If you look back, like in hindsight, mm -hmm. do you think that it was important to mm -hmm. be good in school? We both went into a job where it was completely not useful to us <laughs> that we had good marks because no one wanted to see them ever. We entered university with an entrance exam where we had to play the piano and were marked according to our ability. We didn't didn't to even play. need to have graduated high yeah. school. So. I mean in our lives up to now at least um, no one has ever asked us to yeah. has asked us to see this graduation and we haven't needed it ever. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was incredibly important that we did it. And I would say the first reason is because of this learning how to learn. Mm -hmm. we, we both know many people within our profession that decided to stop school early on, either very, very, very early on in countries yeah. where you can actually decide not to go to school. Where yeah, it's like kind of sixth accepted. or seventh grade. So like yeah. they literally had basically an elementary school education yeah. and then yeah. extremely intense piano mm -hmm. education or even the candidates that kind of stopped after 10th, 9th or 10th grade just or just didn't graduate. And I'm sure that, you know, they're going to be fine, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> but there is, I feel that there is so much more to life than just playing the piano and you learn about and, and you kind of have these first connections to these other topics in school like all these other things that exist and of course that cultivates your other interests that then carry you through your life yeah. just simply also there's so much more art than playing the piano you know there is books there is paintings um you know there is history which is yeah. in i find you know art history, I mean, and all these things. And I, I find that so many things that I learned in school that are not directly connected to, for example, piano technique, I do apply when playing the piano. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of this worldview mm -hmm. that you need. You need to be a well-rounded person to be a good artist, yeah. in my opinion. I, I also have to say I'm so grateful to our parents that really, I mean, enforced this in yeah. us from the very start. It wasn't ever a question yeah. in our household whether we would finish or not finish yeah. school. <laughs> um, but it, it was very clear that we were going to do it. And I also have to say that 
I think it it makes us different people mm -hmm. and it is so necessary. I mean, I would wish it for my children mm -hmm. for sure. Um, and I think that in, in any profession that requires a lot of dedication from the start when you're very young, any artistic profession, dance or maybe also sports, all these things where kids already early on somehow have a job, mm -hmm. you could say, it, there's always the danger of then saying, okay, I don't need school because It just as it was with us, we don't need school in our mm -hmm. profession. We can mm -hmm. be successful without it. But actually, yes, you don't need school, but you need the experience, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I think it tells for us in your playing, if you've lived certain things, even just the social things. I think the social dynamics of school mm -hmm. are so important. Yeah. Being in that group, knowing what it is like to be, you know, minimally bullied or also to sometimes be the one, you know, that's more dominant. Knowing how to deal with group dynamics, mm -hmm. how to approach people, all these things I think are so important. Now, if you ask me whether it's important to be good in school, I think that's a different subject. For us, somehow it was. Mm -hmm. I, but I think, especially if you've reached a certain grade, I must say personally, I don't think it's necessarily important and it's not going to change your life, whether you're good or bad mm -hmm. in school. Especially if you're in, in an artistic profession yeah. where no one yeah. cares about your grades. I think just do it for the experience that's important. Yeah. Of course, yeah, if you want to study law or medicine or psychology, yeah. you have to be good in yeah. school. Yeah. 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 But... I don't think it, you know, makes you a better person or oh, a more interesting person. Obviously, obviously. But I yeah. do think that um, it gives you confidence have be, ha, to have mm -hmm. been good in school. To, Generally, been good in to, school. to be successful at something. Exactly. It gives yeah. you confidence. At least I know that when I finished school successfully the way I had wanted to finish school, it gave me like this basic amount of I can cope yeah. with anything that yeah. comes my way, you know, yeah. in, in that situation. Yeah. Especially because I graduated with chemistry and I was like yeah. ecstatic that I managed and that. I think one important thought, which is, this is my personal opinion. I don't know, maybe people will disagree with me, but I believe that school should almost never be super hard. I think that a lot is the attitude mm. with which you approach it. I agree so much. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And yes. And as we said, because we had so many other things we were focusing yeah. on, the yeah. difficulty yeah, yeah. kind of paled. And I feel like if if you go to school with the attitude of, oh my God, it's going to be so hard. Yeah. How am I going to do this? And math, oh my God, so yeah. difficult. Then it will be yeah. hard. Yeah. But I think that if you as a parent, and this is really what our parents did with us, mm -hmm. instill in the children, of course, you're going to be completely fine. It's yeah. going to be easy for you. Then it will be easy. Yeah. I mean, the, the worst thing you can do to a child is tell them, I was already bad in math, so... Don't be yeah. frustrated if you're also bad in math, you know? You'll probably also be bad in math. Like, I remember from our side, both our parents were also themselves good yeah. students, uh, good in school. So it was kind of implied that, of course, you're going to be good in yeah. school. Like, it's not even a question. And, and of course, there is a difference between communicating that with pressure yeah. and communicating that with just trust. Mm -hmm. And I think that with us, there was a combination of both. Although, really, concerning school, I felt like there was really almost no pressure. I, 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 I was uncomfortable coming okay. home with bad grades to our mother. Okay. I was uncomfortable. I mean, I And I also had to our father, but our, but our mother was the one that we would have to give the exam yeah, yeah. to, you know? I mean, I remember... <laughs> That's a little... <laughs> I just remembered a story. 
<laughs> so basically, I it was in third third grade or something like that, and I I had written a C in dictation because as I mentioned in the beginning, in those first grades where it was, in my opinion, much more unforgiving than later because in in in, in elementary school the way it was scored was that if you wrote a dic- di- dictation right and you had one mistake it was a b yeah, if you had two mistakes was c, yeah. it was a c so and zero mistakes was an a you right had two mistakes deal with it and i had two mistakes <laughs> and i remember to this day what mistake it was it was the most unnecessary mistake i can tell you what the mistake was i had so it was the word the uh, german word for girl is mädchen and I don't even know how to say that in English, but in, in, in if you write kind of one word... Yeah, you and have to divide the syllables. Divide the syllables within the... Like, to, to start the, the word in the next line. And there are certain rules in dividing them, right? So I divided it the wrong way. Instead of doing met and then hien, I wrote me and then tien. Fine. Well, but I didn't even have to divide it. I just divided it because I didn't want to like miss the space. Anyway, I'm frustrated to this day. It doesn't matter. I wrote a C and um, I, I remember I faked our mother's signature. Oh, really? You never because showed Because I was her. so scared. You never showed her. And, or, I'm not scared, I'm caught, but scared, yeah. So remember, I, I, think, I went I think home. you were scared without reason. Maybe. maybe no, because I remember, I this remember one, the one bad grade that I wrote yeah, but, was in math but and that was a D. Yeah. And I was, for me, it was the end of the world. I was crying and she was just like... Yeah, but here is the difference. And maybe that's also kind of the way I approach school. She thought, like our mother knew that you were kind of learning for school. You know, she kind of thought, you know, you're, you're learning as much as you can. Therefore, if the situation came up where you wrote a bad grade, it kind of wasn't your fault. Mm-hmm. You did as much as you can. She never trusted that I did as much as I could. Mm-hmm. She always thought, I don't know why she thought, because I did learn for school. Yes, I didn't learn as much as you did. You were but more last minute, maybe that's I why. was more last minute, but I usually brought home the same grades as you, you know? So, but, but she was always so skeptical <laughs> of my, of the way I worked. Because I worked definitely, I worked differently. I was far more last minute and all the, and I, I think I also learned less than you did actually so basically so, you were more of a genius that's what you're saying here. no but that's why when I did come home with a, a two minus or a, a b minus or a c or something and the mistakes were unnecessary but okay if you boil it down all mistakes are necessary all mistakes are avoidable mm-hmm. you know she would always come like you know if you would have learned more mm-hmm. you would have written a better grade okay I see, I see. so that's why I was okay. always so reluctant yeah, to show my bad grade like okay. you know my bad grades but I mean I don't think anyone neither our mom nor our father father would have said you know oh how dare you write a c or, you know, no but i remember that first i think it was c. your own pre- like i think we put a lot of own pressure yes probably on but I, I i just remember this scene i'd gone up to our bathroom and i'd kind of t- taken i'd seen like her signature in another document and i was there and i was kind of my idea was i was first going to do it with a pencil until i got it perfect so i could like erase it again <laughs> and then i would overwrite it with a felt pen that was my whole thing so remember i like and i, I had I at least tried it for like eight tries. Was, was that the only time you faked your signature? That one time? 
I, maybe maybe there was one more test, but it would have also been in like okay. elementary school time. I, I also faked her signature once, but it wasn't for a grade. It was when I remember still which German teacher it was. It was a German teacher and she wrote into my notebook, um, Danai is not paying attention. She's talking to her friend and she had to sign it and I never showed her that. <laughs> but, Hi, mom. Now that you're watching this. That existed. <laughs> so I just faked it for that. And and the, and I was surprised that the teacher didn't even ask. He was just like, okay, you showed her. I was like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, and I was so nervous the next day having to show like your yeah. sign thing. I was like, she's, and obviously like the teachers, how are they going to notice? Yeah, they're like, they're they ne- do you think yeah. they remember the yeah, way yeah, your exactly. mom's she was, and looks? She, she even told me, the teacher was like, oh, your mom must have been surprised. Right? And I was like, yeah, she was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah i i remember that that little moment yeah <laughs> okay so i thought for the end of the episode now that we've talked about how great we were in school we could do a little quiz and i found a quiz of general knowledge oh my god and obviously i haven't taken it either okay um, I don't even know how good this quiz is going to be because I haven't right. looked at the question. All right, all right. It's called the World General Knowledge Quiz. Test your knowledge of worldwide trivia. So I thought this okay, could be... Okay, what year was the quiz um, I don't done? know. So, I mean, it's, it's from it's Trans like Global until, Express. Is it up until 2021 or is it like, I don't know, 2016 No, I'm, I, I don't think it's up until 2021. Okay. It's more like general. I think it's like geography and things like that. Cheap. All right. So anyway... Let's go. There's no timer, so we can talk okay. about it. Okay. <laughs> so, first question. Which country has the longest coastline in the world? It's all multiple choice. Okay. Um, Australia, Canada, Russia, Indonesia. Coastline. Well, yeah. Well, Canada, right? Um, I would say Canada. The longest coastline in the world. Australia has it all round. Canada. Yeah, but Canada is much, much bigger. It is much Okay, I would also go with Canada. Okay, Canada. Okay, yes. Correct. We did it. Whew. What is the world's most populated country? China. China, USA, India, Russia, China. China. Yeah. Obvious, obvious answer. Obviously. Okay. okay. What is the capital of the Philippines? Marawi. I don't know what Marawi is. Isn't it Manila? Is. It's Manila, yeah. yeah. Dili, Jakarta. What's Marawi? Do you know what? Do you know Does like how exist? I got Marawi? What? Show me? No, I already oh, okay. got my... Do you know, by the way, how I, how I remember it? Because there was this one big fight between Floyd Mayweather and uh, Manny Pacquiao. And I think Manny Pacquiao f- was from the Philippines. From Manila. And it wasn't it called like Manila something, ah. Trilla, Manila, something ah. like that. So that's yeah. how I remembered it. Manila. Okay, we're doing well until now. Okay. 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 The Great Barrier Reef is off the coast of which country? Well, Australia. Okay, that's an easy one. Okay. Um, I didn't know that, but I'm just going to go ahead and say, <laughs> that's amazing. I, I even swam in the Great Barrier Reef with when sharks. Amazing. That, that's a different story. Amazing. Um, this is all just geography, by the way, up to now. I, okay. I, I'm sure there's, because it said it's not just geography. Okay. Um, what is the world's smallest country? Vatican, Vatican City. City. Yeah. Okay. Um, in which country is the world's highest waterfall? Okay, I don't know that. Which Brazil, one? USA, Venezuela, South Africa. Um, the waterfall. Ooh. I don't. Uh, what is even the world's highest waterfall? Ni- and is it Niagara? F- no, is it? I don't know. I, I mean, I really don't know. I would just go with. Uh, I, I don't know. South Africa. South Africa. Okay. Wrong. It's Venezuela. It's Venezuela. Venezuela. All right. Okay. Um, what is the capital of Australia? Okay, Canberra. There we go. Unlike what many people think. Yep. <laughs> um, in which country is Mount Fuji located? Japan. Japan. 
Um, in which country is the Cape of Good Hope? Okay, South Africa. Okay, I think these are easy Cape questions. Cape of Good Hope? Yeah, no, Cape Town. Oh, uh, yeah. okay, okay. You see, I didn't know. I wouldn't have known that. Um, what, what country has the greatest number of active volcanoes? Italy, Indonesia, Japan, Philippines. Maybe Japan? Japan? Because, I mean, Italy has obviously Mount Vesuvius, but... Yeah, but I, active? I don't uh, know. I also don't What's know. What's the other one? In, oh, God, I really Maybe don't Indonesia. Know. Maybe... In, but I'm thinking, like, kind of where are lots of um, earthquakes and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that, you know? Japan. Like, where does often Japan, natural Indonesia. stuff happen? But I don't know. Let's go with... Indonesia? Philippines. <laughs> also, okay, which country is, like, bigger, has the greatest number of active volcanoes? Indonesia is bigger than the yeah. Japan, right? Let's go with Indonesia. Okay. Ooh, it's correct. Nice. That was surprising. <laughs> okay. The Sierra Madre Oriental is a mountain range in which country? It's m- not China. Mexi- I'm going to go ahead. No. It says Mexico. Sierra Madre. Me- wait, can you... Me- Mexico, what is it? Mexico, Argentina, Mexico, Peru, Argentina, China. Peru, China. Sierra Madre. It sounds, it sounds Argentinian or Mexican. Yeah. Okay, this is embarrassing. I think that we don't Is it? That. Okay. What are we going with? Argentina? okay wrong it was mexico Mexico. nice um where was the hottest temperature ever recorded these are all very like geological geological, if not geographical questions and we can cut out some um (laughs) (laughs) just saying um libya peru mexico india the hottest temperature well i would go with probably something like libya right is wait which is feeling wise libya yeah Oh, okay. It's correct. Here we go. Um, which of these countries uses the shilling as its currency? The Seychelles, Malta, Kenya, Zimbabwe. I the would shilling. say not Kenya, right? Or maybe... Wait, can no, we see how it looks? I mean, it's... Okay. Isn't it English, the shilling? I thought because of economy. I thought exactly ah, yeah, yeah, Kenya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Kenya could... But... We're, because it's an English Seychelles, currency. Yeah, yeah. Seychelles was a French Colony, yeah, I think Malta is not, is it? Oh my god, I don't know. Zimbabwe, let's go Kenya. Kenya, yes, yes. correct. Okay, which of these countries has three national capitals? Excuse me, Nepal, South Africa, Morocco, Bolivia. I have no clue. Okay, hang on. Three national, like what does Morocco three national- doesn't have three? No, I mean, but. What does three national capitals mean? Wait, South Africa has the whole situation with like Pretoria and ah, Cape Town okay. and maybe South, South Africa. Africa. Oh, yay! Yeah. Cool. Um, in which ocean is the island of Madagascar? <laughs> Indian Ocean, isn't it? I know where it is, but I don't know. It's, it's the Indian one. Pro- I mean, it's yes, isn't maybe. It? Maybe it's because between Indian. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yes, the this is all is, geographical. It's very geographical. It's actually only geographical. I feel like we should do one with like... I, the thing is, I couldn't test what it is. At BD, okay, yeah, at yeah <laughs> Because I didn't want to know the questions okay, before. Okay, okay. But I mean, we can also look for another one. Yeah. So, okay, this is now a history, general knowledge. Okay, so... Okay. In what year were the Summer Olympic Games held in Berlin? 1936, 1932, 1934... So, uh, Hitler would have, was Hitler already in power during the, I I feel like there was... Wasn't there this thing that there was kind of like a ceasefire? No, but that was a different war, right? 
that when the Olympic Games happened, there was a ceasefire. Mm, that was not. I mean, there was no war. Not, neither of these. No, years no. Yet. But I mean, so we come again. It was four, six, thirty-two, thirty-four, thirty-six. Yeah. Hitler came into power in thirty-three. Thirty-three. Right. I feel like the Olympic Games in Germany is something Hitler would have made a spectacle of. So maybe not thirty-one then. Not thirty-two. You mean? And not thirty-two. Yeah. So thirty-four or thirty-six. Okay. Thirty. I really don't know. Shall we say thirty-four? Because <laughs> he was too busy invading Actually, the Rhineland. We could just go. It's every four years. Okay, right? that's why you want to do it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Didn't, but was there a stop once because of the war? Yeah, this is what I'm unsure. I mean, they were supposed to have been in twenty. Yes, obviously. So, so twenty, which means then two thousand. So it must have been thirty-two or thirty-six. So let's go with thirty-six. Let's go with thirty-six. Oh, hello. That was correct. Nineteen thirty-six. Charles the Great is sometimes called what? Father of Europe, slayer of Rome, king of the common man. Maybe father of Europe. Father of Europe. I would no. Also, I mean, I, mean, I would not slayer of Rome. No. no, I would say father of... King of the common man? I would... No, why would he be? No, right? I would say father of Europe. Father of Europe. Yeah, that's yes. right. By population, what was the biggest state in Germany in the 1890s? Prussia, Bavaria, Saxony. Prussia. Prussia. Yeah. Who was the last German emperor? Wilhelm II. Wilhelm I. Frederick III. Wilhelm II. What did Otto von Bismarck accomplish? Unified German states, prevented what would have been a devastating war, stopped disease from spreading throughout Germany, corona alert, no, no, uh, unified. unified German states. Yeah. Including civilians, about how many people died during the 30 years war? Ooh. 8 million, 12 million, 60 million. I think it was like an incredibly bloody war. So I'm gonna including civilians. So would you say what? 60 million? <laughs> I mean that. You know what I always wonder. I always wonder. They say that the the world wars were obviously the bloodiest war ever yeah. seen, right? And did sixty million die in one of the world? I wouldn't say. But no, then, or, or, yes, including everything, civilians okay, and soldiers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I see. I see. Thirty years war. So is it eight, twelve, or sixty? Shall we say twelve? The interesting thing is like it's eight, twelve is so close, and sixty is yeah, like yeah. I would say twelve. Twelve. It was eight. Eight, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, if you think, like, at that point, there were no bombs, so every person yeah, that died was, was literally killed, killed yeah. in close proximity by another human. That's crazy. What was Otto von Bismarck's nickname? Clay champion, steel devil, iron chancellor. Iron, iron chancellor. chancellor. Yeah. Modern Germany is made up of how many constituent states? 16. 12, 16, 22. 16. Where did Adolf Hitler attempt his first coup? Munich Beer Hall, downtown Berlin, in the middle of Parliament. Munich Beer Hall. Munich Beer Hall. How many states made up the German Confederation in 1815? 5, 32, 12. In 1815? In 1815. I think 32, like a lot. Right? Yeah, I remember that there were like Schleswig and Holstein yeah, 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 yeah. and all these things. So, yeah, maybe 32. 32? Yeah. Nice. Which country imposed its rule over Germany in 1806? England, Spain, France. France, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
Yeah. In what year did the unification of Germany occur? 1881, 1888, 1779, 1871, 1871. In what year did the Holy Roman Empire give way to a more modern nation-state entity? 1648, 1710, 1803. So I'm actually not sure. Uh, wait, the Holy Roman Empire to, what did it say? More, more modern nation-state entity. The Holy Roman Empire was the one that, like, so-called lasted a thousand years, right? Yeah. Which is what the, yeah, okay. So um, tell me again then. 1648, 1710, 1803. I would say 1803. And I would say that it was late. with the, with, yeah. with Napoleon, the ne Napoleonic, the Napoleonic War. 1648. But which state? I mean, something along the lines of Italy. Which other state? I mean, 1648, no, nothing had happened yet. You know, we were like... Something Italian. Okay, 1648. 1648. But it still existed officially, didn't it? I mean... I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm just gonna... There we go. I don't know. Okay. The Battle of Leipzig found Germans and their allies fighting which force? Poland, Spain, France. France, right? France. Wait, why is it only blue? Yeah. Uh-huh. The Thirty Year War was a battle between which groups? England Germany and, and Russia... Catholics and Protestants, Germany and Spain. Oh, maybe Catholics, Catholics and, Protestants. and Protestants. Yeah. 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 What event caused the end of the German Empire? World War One, invasion by Napoleon, the Seven Weeks War. World War it, Well One. It, yeah. World War One. This is yeah, yeah this is when yeah. it stopped existing, yeah. What event contributed greatly to the rise of Nazism in Germany? The Great Depression, the German Revolution, the Napoleonic Wars. The Great Depression. The Great Depression, yeah. How long did the Weimar Republic last? 14 weeks, 14 months, 14 years. 14, 14 years. Who built the Berlin Wall? East Germany, West Germany, the Allies. <laughs> East Germany. <laughs> East Germany. <laughs> For how many years did the Berlin Wall stand? 28 years, 34 years, 42 years. Well, when was it built? 60-something, right? So that means... Was it built in 60-something or was it built in... F no, it was built in 60-something, no, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So 24 years, right? Yeah, 18... Yeah. Or wait... Uh, 28, yeah. Sorry, oh, but the 21, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. 28 yeah. years, yeah. How effective was the Berlin Wall in restricting East Germans from escaping the country? It stopped only the old and frail... It was very effective. It was just a powerful symbol. It was very effective. It was very effective. <laughs> <laughs> Stop the old and frail. And what year was the so-called March Revolution? 1788, 1848, 1878. 1848. 1848, yeah. So these were our uh, questions. <laughs> yeah. So um, basically, I think we've come to the end of this whole discussing yes. being good in school. Yes. Um, at the end of the episode, we always tell a story about each other. So do you want to go first? With your All right. Story? Yes. So I, the story that came to my mind is actually a very touching story because 
when I was 15, I think I was 15, so maybe it was around 10th grade, I had to have surgery on my foot. So I was out of school for a week to get that surgery. And it was also right around the time where like the biggest topic in mathematics was introduced that would then later become the main mm-hmm. thing. Analysis, it's called in, in, in German. I'm not sure how you would call it. Analysis. Who knows? <laughs> Analytical mathematics. I don't know. <laughs> and, and it's like, you know, everything with a function and the graphs and all these things. And it was kind of the, the start of that big topic. And I had missed these very crucial lessons with of the start. And I remember that I had like my book with me to kind of try to learn it in the hospital. And I really wasn't getting it immediately. I was kind of struggling with it a bit. And I kind of remember that you came to my room and you literally explained it to me for like 10 minutes and I immediately got it. (laughs) And I never struggled with that topic in mathematics again. And I remember I like kind of chalk that moment up to be like the turning point in like my mathematical kind of development because remember that mathematics <laughs> I for a very long that. time for a very long time I was not struggling I was just finding it specifically challenging compared yeah. to other sub- subjects and from one point onwards namely from that point onwards <laughs> mathematics became very easy to me I remember that it really mm-hmm. wasn't a subject I struggled with at all from that point onwards and the, the entire like last stretch of mathematics the last three years came quite easy to me because most of it was based on this analysis yeah, the system, theme, the yeah. system kind yeah. of, which once you got it was very repetitive easy. and yeah, easy, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, and I remember you just explained it to me and I immediately got it. And it was like all these correlations, like in this function, this point yeah. is this point in the other function of the graph and blah, blah. So it was, and I kind of remember it and, and I don't know, it's always a very fond memory. Oh, that's cute. My story is actually also a very sweet one. And I don't know if you remember it, but it was on the day of my like A-levels exam mm-hmm. that I was writing in French, which is probably the one I was most nervous about mm-hmm. because I had my main A-levels in English and in French. And English, we always were speaking anyway. We grew up speaking English. So French was really the harder yeah. one for me. And I was definitely a bit nervous. And also I had, in that period of time, I had many concerts because mm-hmm. I was doing this mm-hmm. tour through the area that we were, I mean, not the area, through the like state, the state, state. that we were living in. And And I was like pretty busy with the piano. Mm -hmm. And then I remember I didn't really sleep a lot and I was nervous. And I told you the night before, like, yeah, you know, I have French tomorrow and everything. And I remember waking up and feeling a bit like, uh, and then you, I think I got up earlier because maybe we started writing earlier or for some reason you were not awake, but you had left a note on my plate. Do you remember? No. You had left a note and it said something like, you know, you're going to rock it and you're the (laughs) best. And you had like unpacked a little French sentence, (laughs) which went along the lines of bonne chance. (laughs) Really advanced. Did you use it in your exam? The bonne chance? But it was so cute. And I remember feeling so happy and confident. And I took that note with me. Oh my God, that's so nice. I forgot. I I was feeling good about myself. Nice. Nice. (laughs) Oh, I'm so happy. (laughs) So we have two very cute stories today. Um, All right. So in the next episode, next 
Saturday. We will have, again, I think a bit of a more personal topic. We're going to be talking about our fights, basically, how we used to fight, how we've changed in that, like kind of also our strategy now, how we fight or maybe now we, we don't fight and we more argue or we discuss things. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the next episode is going to be all about our Fighting. biggest fights. So stay tuned for that. And we'll see you again on Saturday. Lots of love. Bye. Bye. You're listening to The Sister Drill with Danai and Kiveli.